are back Woo! Hello. <laughs> uh so here we go with another top three as we start warming up for our next episode so today we're talking about our top three most impactful accidental auto deaths so this is not you know saying it's our favorite none of that we're just being clear that the top three deaths for us that most impacted our lives Accidental auto deaths. Uh, and here's our list. Top three. You go first. No, I was, I was just going to say, do I go first? You go first. Okay, go first. my number three, even though it didn't impact my life because it happened way before I was born, is James Dean. Because he only ever made three movies. And I'm going to sound like an idiot right now because... <laughs> Um, I can't even remember the name of the third one, but, um, there's, of course, there's Giant. Yes. There's Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. And I can't remember the name of the third one. I don't even know. Uh, but that, when I think of James Dean, there's that classic poster of him in Rebel Without a Cause, in the jacket, and, like, leaning up against the wall, like, ultimate 50s cool guy. But what I really think of is that great shot at the end of that movie with he and Natalie Wood driving through Griffith Park up to the Griffith Park Observatory. And he reminds me of a young, young Marlon Brando. And I love young Marlon Brando. <laughs> I think I think young Marlon Brando in um, On the Waterfront and A Streetcar Named Desire phenomenal yeah i, I would agree with you i love those movies and i love his performance i've always loved streetcar named desire and love that like the play and then love his performance and i feel like james dean could have been that level and i feel like he's so famous and popular now more for like iconography than his actual performances and i feel like he could have been known as known equally for being a tremendously talented actor. Yeah. Yeah. I could see where you're coming from there. I, um, you know, I just, for me with James Dean, I just didn't see the, enough of a body of work to really speak to it. Okay. I'm kind of like you. I wasn't around during that time. Right. And so something that you heard about and sort of this iconic person. But, um, you know, I'm not sure I've actually seen all three of those movies, to be honest with you. So, um yeah, I I can I can he, I hear you I hear you. Okay, and he All died. Right. He crashed like on Mulholland, right? I'm, uh, Maybe I don't remember yeah, the details. I don't know the details. Yeah, it was definitely in LA though, yeah, for I sure. Think it was in Mulholland because it when could you, be. you could when you're driving that drive and you're going over the hill, you can kind of go over that area. Okay, probably but. true. Interesting. I uh, am horrified of driving in the Hollywood Hills, so I'm not surprised somebody crashed their car up there. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare it's, up there. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it's, it's not safe. And it's nausea-inducing at times. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not a fun drive for no, me. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, Sonia, you're number three. My number three. And 
you know, I was, I struggled with this one, you know? I mean, and this is supposed to be our top three, so this is our warm-up. Right. This is us, like, you know, getting into the groove and just sort of talking about, you know, how we feel about something with not too much research. Um, but I just really couldn't think of that many. I mean, lots of people have had car accidents, and it's sure, certainly, um, you know, it's definitely impacted something, but I'm not saying if it was, like, earth-shattering for me. But my number three... Um, would be Anton Yelchin. And uh-huh. this was not that long ago, actually. No, this was just a couple years ago. Yeah. I um, and, and, you know, it impacted me because it made me sad, you know, that something s- sort of, you know, I mean, really accidental. So this is the guy who, you know, played in the Star Trek movies. He's young. Um, and he was young. He was 27 when he died. It happened, what, two or three years ago? Yeah, he very recently. was at his house in Beverly Hills or the Hills or wherever, uh, it, there was definitely a hill uh-huh. because essentially his Jeep, um, I think when it wasn't in gear or something, and he was standing in front of it near a gate or um, in a big you know pillar by a gate, and the car rolled into him and pushed him into the pillar and just crushed him, and right. he died. That was a crazy and story. And he was there for a long time. I know. Yeah, and there's footage and things like oh, that. Oh, I never saw any of the footage. Well, it was security footage. Okay. There's, okay. If, if there was, there would be no reason for them to show that footage unless no. there was some question about what happened. Sure, but it was clear what happened. Yeah. So um, that was really unfortunate. You know, I mean, he was. I thought he was a really great actor, and I enjoyed watching him. I liked and, him. Yeah, I thought he was really funny and quirky. Um, he was in that movie with Justin Timberlake. Oh my God, what was that movie? Which one? Justin Timberlake and um, was it the Time movie? No, it was the drug dealer movie oh yes um like the uh yeah i know exactly what you're talking emile hirsch yeah um yeah. oh dude I, don't, I know exactly the movie you're talking about i, I always think of it as a skater movie but it's not a skater movie it's not it's a drug dealer like, right you know san bernardino shitty california movie it's a true story too you're yeah. looking it up right yeah and he plays the um you know the kid who goes along with them you know, and ultimately they kill because they say they have to. And um, it was just a big fat mess, you know, all the way through. So he, um, it was Studio City that Anton Yelton died okay. in. And he actually was born in Russia. Yeah, yeah, I knew he wasn't American. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Um, I'm trying to see what the movie And actually is. in the Star Trek movies, while you're looking that up, he speaks with a Russian accent. And I always questioned if that was his natural voice or not. It might have been. It was all. It was kind of high pitched though, so maybe his natural accent with a high pitch. Alpha dog. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm gonna go out and yell at my dog right now. Hold on, just a second. All right. So Anton Yelton. He was my number three. A. I'm cheating, like you did. Cheater. <clears throat> I know. I know. That's right. Uh, the other three B I have, which is not for any reason other than I just wanted to add another one in there. My number three B, which, uh, like I said, I just wanted to add another one in there. This was sort of my, you know, halvesies with three A. Uh, my number three B is Clifford Lee Burton or Cliff Burton from Metallica. Mm. So back in 1986, they were driving, uh, I think, across Kansas in their tour bus, and Kirk Hammock and Cliff. Uh, actually, they disagreed on which one would get the better uh, bed in the in the tour bus. 
And so they did some kind of, you know, drawing straws or something. Um, and of course, Kirk lost and had to take the bed in the front of the bus. And Cliff Burton took the the bed that he ultimately um, was killed in. Oh, wow. So there was, uh, it sounds to me like the, the bus hit some black ice and uh, they flipped over and uh, he didn't make it through. Wow. So that was really devastating to yeah. the band, um, obviously. Of course. And, you know, the scene must have been horrific. He, um, and I don't think they ever really recovered from that. I mean, in you know, I noticed a, a big change in Metallica music after that happened, obviously because he wasn't playing with them anymore. But, um, you know, it just, uh, I think it kind of forced them to grow up a little bit and deal with some things that they hadn't really have ever had to deal with before or not at that level with such, you know, a close knit group like that. So that was really sad for them. But, um, he was a person who was obviously really talented who I would have really looked, I looked forward to seeing what he was going to do in the future if he would have been around. I would have thought he would have been your 3A. Mm-mm. Okay. No. I mean, he... No. All right. No. That's fine. No. I just... It, because I, I think that... And of course, they were both tragic. But to me, the Anton Yelchin death was tragic and just really heartbreaking. Because it makes you realize that every single day, anything could happen. Even to the most powerful, richest, whatever. You are not safe. Yeah, yeah, you for know, sure. Anything could happen at all times. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic as I as I was driving over here. I'm pretty sure there were two cars on the freeway that were racing each other. Probably. And like going easy 90, 95 miles an hour. It was freaking terrifying watching them weave in and out and trying to cut each other off and it was nuts. So yeah, you're right. Anytime. Mhm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's sad. Okay, so I'm glad that you took a little a little liberty with the Anton Yelchin because in my mind when we started off thinking about this, I was thinking deaths in like car crashes, automobile crashes. And his was more of an accident. Yeah, it was yeah. an auto death. It was still an auto death. I mean, most auto deaths are accidents. Well, okay, Hopefully. sure. I'm thinking like cl- crashes, collisions. Sure. Anyway, sure. so. Not with another car. Right, yeah. not with another car. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with my number two. Okay, do it. Because this was originally reported as a car crash death, but later found out that it was actually a heart attack that was the cause of death that caused the car to crash. Okay, I can think of more than one person that this happened to. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. This isn't completely unheard of. Mm-hmm. But this was, I think it was like 2010, 2011 maybe. For me... It's the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, he was going to be on my list for like five minutes. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, I was a head over heels crazy wrestling fan as a kid. Like ridiculous over the top. Wrestling was everything to me. I was a little Hulkamaniac, but if it wasn't Hulk Hogan, it was the Macho Man. He was charismatic. <laughs> he was entertaining. He was a little psycho. Uh, but watch, no, watch, not a wrestler. Oh, but you go back <laughs> and you watch his uh, like his interviews and his promos, and then how he actually performed in the ring. And going back now, now like being 
separated from it because as a kid, as a kid, it was all real to me. And they were trying to keep up the realness at that time. Of course, that's not at all how they're trying to portray it now. But going back and looking to see how he portrayed his character, which was part character, part real life for him, part actually who he was, but it's incredible. His his psychology, the thought that went into it, the little nuances. I mean, it's... And his entrance music, which was Pomp and Circumstance. <laughs> to this day, I hear that and I think Macho Man and I get excited. So even though when it happened, he was like in his 50s, Chances are he wasn't going to come back as a wrestler. No one wants to see him doing a diving elbow from the top rope at 56 years old or whatever he was. Sure. But the personality, I'm sure, was still there. And it still would have been incredible to see him doing what a lot of these other older guys are doing. Coming back, making these one-off appearances, and you know, really having fun and giving that retro vintage feel. So even though he didn't have a lot left in him from a performance standpoint... Uh, it was still, it had a big impact on my life because of how impactful he was to me when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, so, uh, the macho man, dig it! Ooh, yeah! I kind of just want an excuse to do the voice. I know, I'm like, wow, that is so loud in my ears. I'm sure it is. (laughs) I, um, I worked with Hulk Hogan and Carl Weathers, uh, and I'm... I think, if I'm not mistaken, Macho Man came down to party with Hulk. I wouldn't be totally surprised. Yeah. And um, I won't go into details, but, you know, being in the production business for so long and working on set and working with lots of fun people, actors, crew, all the the gamuts, you know, for some reason when people go on location, it's like a, a, a vacation and a giant party and what happens on location stays on location. Uh-huh, right. Oh my God, I've cleaned up so many messes and there was a <laughs> bit of a mess there that I had to clean up. Fortunately, it was, you know, compartmentalized to the hotel we were staying in, but it was, um, it was quite a sight to see. I will say one of my favorite things is to listen back. Uh, you know, I'm going to give a, a little shout out to uh, another podcast uh, called Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard mm. and Conrad Thompson. Oh. And uh, Bruce Pritchard is, he played the character Brother Love in the 80s and 90s, which was peak wrestling, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but he was also like essentially like Vince McMahon's right hand. And I love listening to their show because hearing about like the backstage stories and the things that went into it, it's so fascinating to try and hear that. So some of those stories have come out that you're probably alluding to. Some are still kept close to the vest, but it's really interesting and fascinating to hear that side of it. Oh, it's, uh, well, I, I've got a lot of stories that I'll probably never share with anyone because I wouldn't do that to these people in their privacy. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey through my life of live action television and film. It's uh, like I said, you know, I have respect for those folks and I won't I won't comment too much about it. But occasionally when I'm reminded of it, I will mention that I know something and maybe allude to some things without sort of compromising their privacy, let's say. <laughs> That's very respectful of you. I hey, you know, I hey, we've all been there. I just usually ended up being the person who had to clean up the mess to get people to set the next day. Got it. So that's this, a fun job. Oh. Oh yeah. 
All right. So my number two is uh, Jane Mansfield. And I was not alive when she died, obviously. But she, um, you know, her death, you know, for me was, again, another, you know, person snuffed out way too early. She was only 34. And um, she and her boyfriend and the driver of the car were driving from Mississippi to New Orleans. And uh, apparently they there was a fog bank or there was a mosquito truck or something up front. And then there was a big, you know, big rig behind that. And because of all that smoke and because of the lack of good lighting in the middle of nowhere, they just essentially plowed right into the back of a, a, a 18 wheeler. Wow. And at the time they did not have those um, guards on the back. Yeah. Right. right. Those guards are actually known as Manfield Mansfield guards hmm. uh, because of that, because they essentially, you know, drove under, under that, that truck at a very high speed and, and killed all three of the adults. The children were in the back scene and they all lived. And one of those which children, as we probably all know, is Maritza Hargitay. Oh, so, right. Yeah. So yeah. that was her mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really sad. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. And um, I think it's been challenging for her in her life. She talks about it occasionally. Um, but it's sad, you know, and, and I think that was a really big, it, I, like I said, I wasn't alive when it happened. If I was, I was really, really young. And, it, you know, it was just a terrible thing that, you know, a senseless act, you know, just because, um, just pure accident, you know, fortunately those guards are intact these days on trucks, but I, I think it still happens, but not as frequently. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, hopefully it doesn't, but yeah. it is, it's a horrible thing. Oh my God. Could you, I mean, I don't, we no, 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 no. I don't oh. want to think about the details of what happened horrible. there. Terrible. All righty. Who's your number one? Okay. Two. Who's your number one? Have you already done your number two? Yeah. Macho oh. Man was my number two. I just wanted you to say it again. I know you did. <laughs> Thanks for the setup. You're welcome. Okay. Um, so my number one is Princess Diana. Ah, mine too. Yeah? Yeah. We do think of like um, 1997, Labor Day weekend. I think it was August 31st, 1997. Uh, I still remember it. Um, I remember when it happened. And it was five days, six days, seven days, something like that, right after Mother Teresa died. And at the time, it was... It was so shocking that two women that had such an impactful life and did so much good for the world were gone so quickly next to each other. But Princess Di, to me, I always I always really looked up to her. And I think a big reason why I looked up to her was her willingness to put her own health and well-being aside at the put it put it at risk for the means to help others and the greater good i when did she put her own life at risk well there were times when um you know in the 80s when hiv and aids was uh kind of at its peak and little was known about it she went to a clinic, an AIDS clinic, mm. and uh, everyone in the clinic was wearing gloves and protected masks and everything. And she went in there and she held babies unprotected. Aww. Obviously, we know a lot about HIV and AIDS now. Sure. That wasn't known at that time. Yeah. There was another time where she went to a, a I don't remember what country it was, but a, a war-ravaged country that had landmines. And signs all over the place, like, don't walk here, potential for landmines. She ignored the signs to show 
the impactfulness of landmines and what needs to be done to bring peace and make landmines illegal in wartime. So those are just two examples that I can remember of her. She was willing to put her well-being aside for the greater good. Hmm. Uh, and I, I admired her so much for that. Wow. And there's, there's countless other things that she did. She was a, I, I think she was just a tremendous, wonderful woman. And I remember, like I said, I remember when she died and how horrible it was yeah. and how, how affected I was. I think I was 10 at the time and it really, it really bothered me. And I actually remember like the next day, like having to do like a current events or something at school. And I made it all about her because of how much she meant to me Mm -hmm. and and how much her death affected me yeah no I hear you definitely she um you know for for me I I just had a lot of respect for her because she seemed to be trying to make advances with the royal family and the way the royal family was perceived and um you know just as we know now especially because of you know the different shows and that really sort of give you some insight into what happens in the royal family and, and, and you know, and where they live and just their day-to-day and the things that they go through and then the perception. I mean, it's it's kind of strange, you know. I don't, I don't know if there's any other situation in the world where you have a royal family that's still intact like that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. To the yeah. extent that right. they – I mean, she is the richest person in England – um, you know, by far, I think she's the biggest landholder, the queen. No, she's not the richest person in England. What's, um, oh, uh, Harry Potter not... lady. Is she the richest person? Oh, yeah, by far. Oh, maybe she's the biggest landholder. That's probably. Paul McCartney I'm was sure... also above the queen. Yeah. And then I think Tom Jones is up there too because probably. of his real estate holdings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. J.K. Rowling. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure really? you're. Really? Oh, yeah. I guess. Oh, I for guess sure. So. I uh, guess she all is. the books plus all the movies plus all the royalties, all of, my, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But regardless, I'm sure you're right about the landowner. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not surprised. She's the royalty. Of like, course. When you think about the queen. But um, certainly it's um, it probably wasn't easy for Diana. And, you know, she and Charles were both very young. And it was pretty apparent, I think, to everyone, um, especially probably to her, that, you know, he was in love with someone else mm-hmm. the entire time. And this marriage was arranged. And they just didn't have a lot in common. And, um, it, you know, unfortunate. And also, you know, I think from that perspective, it's also tough for kids when you bring kids into the world. And they grow up in a, a, a family with your parents having a relationship that may or may not be a good model for your future relationships. Um, and I think that was hard for them as well. I mean, and she did something that, you know, and I mean, they got divorced, you know, right. that was a huge deal, you know, before that, you know, I think the previous King had, you know, sort of gotten dethroned or whatever they call it because he married a person who had been divorced. Right. So, Two Kings before. Yep. Yeah. So, before. you know, really, ooh, you know, a big deal a, and still a big deal and now it's even happening with like princess or prince harry and princess whatever megan you know mm-hmm. and their sort of departure from the royal family and trying to have their own life and raise their child you know the way that they want to right so i don't know if it'll ever look the same no it probably won't but i mean that's how that's how things evolve and yeah for better or for worse Things change and hopefully improve. Yeah, exactly. One thing I will say about Dodie Al-Fayed, which I uh, 
is a tidbit of information. And I didn't pay much attention to him. No. And Dodie was Diana's boyfriend at the time and with her in the crash. Yes, exactly. Dodie Al-Fayed is also the son of Muhammad uh, Al-Fayed, mm-hmm. who owned Herod, Herod's at oh, one right. time. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. And um, I got my first uh, snippet of Mr. Muhammad Al-Fayed, who was actually a really fun guy. You know, <laughs> I mean... I thought he was really interesting. Uh, you know, in the year 2000, you know, as we all know, Sasha Baron Cohen had a show on British TV called Ali G. And Mohammed was on his show as in, you know, and being interviewed. And it was, if you haven't seen it, it, take a look at it on YouTube. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Because, of course, typical Ali G, he's making fun of him. You know, he has him come out on the stage. And Ali G has, of course, had, he he had the, the Herod's logo put on the floor right in the middle where they were going to interview. <laughs> kind of like it is when you go into Harris, uh-huh. but he spelled it wrong. Oh, that's awesome. Which is so typical of yeah. that whole, you know, format. And um, I would definitely suggest it. He, at the end, I think they finish off with uh, Muhammad and Ali G rapping together. I have to look this up. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Pretty darn. I would honestly, I would strongly suggest all of the original Ali G show, uh, you know, the British version. Yes. Right. You know, I yeah. Mean, sure. It was fine, you know, later, but it's priceless. There's, I mean, it was, it was the very best. It was awesome. I've only seen the HBO versions. So I won't have to tell you my number one because I just did, but that's my take yep, on that. Right. You know, really sad. Um, I, she was so cute and, you know, she just seemed to be so graceful and lovely and the kids and, you know, for her to die at a young age, having young children must have been really hard. So I think there's still obviously challenges with that for them these days, but they're trying to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they're doing pretty well. Yep. Alrighty. Well, that was our top three most impactful accidental auto deaths. All right. Thanks, Scarlettos. All right. Check you later. Bye.